But Psalm uh, 42, hear now the word of our Lord. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs His love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder... If anyone here can point to your soul, you know, like where in your body your soul is, I wonder if anyone here can point to it. Um, I won't challenge you. You don't have to. Um, uh, may, but I think maybe where you point might say a lot about you, right? right? If, you, uh, if you point uh, to your, your head, right, your mind, maybe you're a scientifically-minded thinker. Maybe you think of your soul as a combination of, of, of these cognitive loops that, uh, that, that, that make up the mind's projection, the illusion of self. Maybe you point to your heart. Maybe that says that you are an, an intuitive thinker, right? And, and, and that you think of, of, of the soul in, in terms of emotion and feeling. Some people may refuse to point anywhere or point everywhere, right? Maybe you're a philosophical thinker. The soul is unknowable and ineffable. Maybe you point to the bottom of your shoe where your soul is, right? That means you're a dad. <laughs> but if you point to your throat, 
That means you're in ancient Hebrew. Because the word soul in Hebrew, nephesh, means throat. Now that may seem strange. Praise the Lord on my throat, right? Um, but let's kick the tires on it for just a second. See, uh, maybe you'll remember from, uh, from a couple of months ago uh, when we talked about uh, uh, Genesis how uh, when God creates uh, uh, the human beings, he creates them from, from the dust, and then he breathes into their nostrils the breath of life. And uh, breath in, in, in both Greek and Hebrew is the same word as spirit, right? And, and, and our spirit is that part of us that belongs to God, right? Uh, it, it's the part, of the, 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 the thing within us that animates us and gives us life. And in ancient Hebrew thought, you know, when you die, all of you returns to the dust, except for your spirit. That goes back up to God. Now your throat, your nephesh, right, that's where the spirit passes through, right? That's uh, where, where, where the, the, the human and the divine are connected, and so, uh, in, in Hebrew, nephesh became sort of a shorthand for a person's whole being. And so, uh, when another psalmist says, uh, um, praise the Lord, O my nephesh, right? He's saying two things, right? Praise the Lord, my whole being. But he's also saying, throat, please, don't fail me now. Make the sounds. Sing the song. So you need to understand that to really, really get Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my nephesh longs for you. So my throat longs for you. My throat thirsts for God, for the living God. See, um, often in the Bible, Thirst is a metaphor for the soul's longing for God, right? Uh, the, the same way our, our throats, when we're thirsty, feel dried up and parched up, so our souls feel when we long for God. Uh, another psalmist says, My soul longs for you. My throat, my nephesh longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thirst is, is a metaphor for the, for the soul's longing for God. And the psalmist in Psalm 42 uh, uh, talks about a time when he did connect to God easily. Right? He says, uh, he says um, uh, uh, I, uh, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God. But now he says, he feels like God has forgotten him. And his tormentors say, where is your God now? See, life has worn the psalmist down. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Just too much has happened in his life. And he, he, he is no longer able to connect with God the way he once was. And so he feels thirsty. He feels like he has a dried up throat, a dried up Nefesh, a dried up soul. 
So my question for you this morning is, how is it with your soul? How is it with your throat? Heard some of you coughing, right? Maybe you need some water or, or a cough drop. How is it with your nephesh? Do you long for God? Has it been too long since you felt that connection with the Almighty, that connection with the divine? Oh, you're a Christian. I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you don't believe or you don't have faith or, or, or any of that. But, 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 but you feel like you're stumbling through a wilderness a little bit. You feel like you're not connecting with God in the same way that you used to. And, 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 and that there's something within you that is dried up in need of cruel refreshment. Like Jesus on the cross, you say, I thirst. Maybe life has worn you down a little bit like the psalmist. You've ate and drank a little too much of your tears. You've forgotten how to connect with God. Isaiah says to the exiles, come to the waters all who are thirsty. Come and receive milk and wine without price. Oh, that would be wonderful. We've forgotten where the waters are and how we get there. We have dried up souls, throats and tongues that long for the cool, refreshing drink of the Spirit in a dry and weary land where there is no water. How is it with your nephesh? Do you thirst for God right now? If so, you have a lot in common with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, um, the one tradition names Fotini. And I'm going to call her Fotini, uh, not because the Gospel of John calls her Fotini, but because a uh, Samaritan woman, woman at the well, is a little impersonal. And John doesn't give us a better name, so Fotini it is. Makes her sound Italian, really. Fotini. Um, so uh, the first thing you need to know about Fotini is that she is not a tramp. I'm sorry, maybe that was a little indelicate, uh, but, but, but she's not. And uh, I know that, like, you've heard sermons probably or done Sunday school lessons or, or seen the chosen, and it seems like she's always portrayed as a tramp, right? And this is because she's had five husbands, right? And so the story always goes, poor Fotini, she can't be faithful, she can't make it work. Um, she gets divorced husband after husband, and finally, she's shacking up with some guy who isn't even her husband. And the story goes that all the women go to the well in the morning, uh, you know, while it's cool, but not Fotini, not the woman at the well, because she can't bear their hard stares and, and, and their cold looks and their whispers. And so she goes to the well in, in, in the afternoon, and there she meets Jesus and receives the forgiveness that she longs for, freedom from her shame. It's a beautiful story. Too bad it's not in the Bible. If you read the fourth chapter of John, you, you don't get any hint that Fotini is a tramp. 
and need of forgiveness. It's not there. And let's face it, John, as far as gospel writers go, is pretty chaggy, right? Uh, he, he, he likes to tell you everything that's going on. And uh, if Fotini had some juicy backstory, he'd let us in on it. But it's not there. Something this version of the story fails to take into account, you know, the story of Fotini the Tramp, is, first, there was more than one way to lose a husband. And back then, the other way was far more common, especially because uh, husbands were usually decades older than their wives. And the other is that for a first century Jewish woman, divorce is not something you do. Divorce is something that is done to you. Divorce is rejection. Divorce is being turned out. And so Fotini has had a hard life. The sort of life that, uh, uh, that, that a foster child bounced from home to home to home to home would know all too well. She can't find stability. It just doesn't work for her anywhere. Maybe her husband was old when she got married uh, to him, and then he died. And then, be, uh, according to the laws of liberate marriage, uh, she's, uh, she, she's passed on to her husband's brother. And maybe her husband's brother just says, this is not what I signed up for. Um, this is, I, I really can't afford this. And so he comes up with the reason to divorce her. And then home, and then another home, and then another home. For whatever reason, maybe the husband's roving eye, maybe financial straits, maybe uh, 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 more death. We don't know. But she's had a tough go of it. She's been bounced from home to home to home. No one will take her in. No one will accept her. And now she's probably living with a relative. She doesn't have a husband, but someone is taking care of her. Now, Fotini is going to go well in the middle of the afternoon, but not because she's ashamed, because not that, you know, that's the only time no one else will, will be there. But for the other reason people go to a well in the middle of the afternoon, it's hot. She wants a drink of water. Occam's razor, y'all. She's thirsty. When Fotini draws near to the well, she is thirsty in more ways than one. She wants to slake her thirst, you know, fill up her physical nefesh, but her soul is dried up too. She is longing for connection with God. Now when Fotini gets to the well, there's someone sitting there. A Jewish man. Now her life experience has taught her not to trust men. And her religion has taught her not to trust Jews. And so there's a part of her that probably just wants to turn around and go back home. But she's thirsty. And boy is it hot. And this Jewish man hasn't stood up and like started yelling insults at her or anything. So she figures it will probably be a pretty cordial interaction. 
So she resolves to go to the well and, and, and just, just be quiet and get her drink of water. And then the stranger sitting by the well says to Fotini, can you give me something to drink? She looks at the stranger and he hasn't brought his own uh, little water jug. So he's got nothing to drink out of. So he's, he's going to drink out of her vessel. And uh, she hasn't had a lot of interactions with Jews, right? But she knows that they're not allowed to drink after non-Jews, right? At least the real strict ones aren't. So she thinks to herself, you know, I, I hate for this guy to get my uh, non-Jew cooties and have to sacrifice a goat or something, right? And so she, so she says to him, why do you want to drink after me? I'm a Samaritan. You know that, right? A little far from home, aren't you? And, she, and spoiler alert, the stranger's Jesus. And the stranger says, if you knew who was asking you, you would ask me for a drink of water and I would give you living water. Now, here's what you have to understand, right? Um, uh, in, sort of, uh, in, in sort of the Hebrew idiom, um, uh, uh, living water is water that comes from a spring or from a river. Still water is water that comes from a cistern or a well, right? And so, uh, so uh, the stranger has said to this woman, if, if, you know, if you ask me, I, 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 would give, I, I would give you spring water. Well, la-di-da, right? Oh, well, oh, did he really just say, do you know who I am? I have access to spring water? Listen here, buddy. Before you look down on our little well here, maybe you should take something into account. This well was dug by none other than the patriarch Jacob himself. You know, Jacob from the Bible. It was good enough for him. It was good enough for his children. It was good enough for his animals. Do you think you're better than Jacob? Well, the stranger smiles at this. And he says, listen, don't get me wrong. It's a good well. It really is. But anyone who drinks from this well is going to go thirsty again. But anyone who drinks from the water I give them will never thirst again. In fact, that water uh, will get inside them, become a spring within them, welling up to eternal life. What the heck does that mean? All right, listen. Okay, I'll bite. How can I get some of this water? Some of this magic water that you have access to that, that, that I'll never be thirsty again. It would be wonderful, right? Uh, here in the middle of the day, I wouldn't have to come to the well and mix it up with weirdos. I, I, I'd just never be thirsty again. Tell me where I can get some of that, please. Sounds great. The stranger says, sure, I'll tell you. Go get your husband and come back. Huh. Only one problem there. Shows how much you know, mister. I don't have a husband. You're going to have to deal with me. He smiles again, this time a compassionate smile. Thank you for telling me the truth. You're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five. You've bounced, been bounced from home to home to home and, and, and no one will keep you and take care of you and give you what you need. In fact, 
the person you're living with now, right now, isn't even your husband. They won't even sign on the dotted line for you. How did he know that? The hair stood on the back of Fotini's neck. How in the world did he know that? And then suddenly it dawns on her. He must be a prophet. He must be someone that has a direct line to God. I mean, how else could he possibly know this? Uh, pause, time out. You just realize you're speaking to a prophet. Someone with a direct line to God. Someone that can tell you the meaning of all the mysteries, maybe even your own future. What do you ask them? What do you ask them? Well, here's Fotini's question. She says, sir, I'm sorry. Now I get it. I didn't understand all this living water stuff. It's kind of over my head, but, but I can see now that you're a prophet. I only have one question. I don't need to know my future. If it's anything like my past, I'm better off not knowing. But here's my question. Where can God be found? Where can God be found? See, my ancestors have worshipped him on this mountain. And I know that you Jews, you worship him in Jerusalem, but really, 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 where can God be found? Isn't that the question of a dried-up soul? Where? Can God be found? Where can I slake my thirst? That's what, that's what the writer of Psalm 42 says. Where can I go and meet with God? I used to do it in the temple, but where can you be found right now? My soul thirsts for him. My throat is dry for him. Where can he be found? And Jesus says, let me let you in on a secret here. Not on this mountain, not really. Not on that mountain, not really. See, there is a time coming when true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. There is a time coming when, when, when all you have to do is open up your heart in sincerity and God will find you wherever you are. Yeah, maybe you're right, she says. Maybe you're right. Uh, what do I know about these things? I suppose someday when the Messiah comes, he'll explain everything to all of us, right? We'll all know then. Then Jesus leans in and lets her in on a little secret. Something that as soon as she hears it, she knows it's true. He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Suddenly she feels it. A spring welling up within her. 
this, this, this inexhaustible uh, supply of life that only comes from being in the presence of God. Something that, 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 that she had forgotten what it felt like, and, and now she feels it again, and, 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 and her soul starts reviving. And then pretty soon, it's filled to the brim, and then it feels like it's going to burst, and she's got to go somewhere, and she's got to tell somebody. And so she rushes off to go down to the village to tell anyone she can get her hands on. Come, come with me. Come with me. Come, come meet this person that told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? She was so excited she left her jar of water beside the well. After all, what was she going to need it for? She was never going to be thirsty again. I remember reading about um, some Spanish sailors during the age of exploration, right? 1500s thereabouts, right? And they're, um, they're, uh, they're going to, um, to, to South America. And on the way to South America, they passed through this place right by the equator called the doldrums. And if you, if you know anything about uh, exploration, you know that, that, that in the doldrums, um, uh, uh, the wind doesn't blow a lot. In fact, you can go days, maybe even weeks, without a breeze. And during that time that they're in the doldrums waiting for the wind to blow again, they're going through their food pretty quickly. And they're going through their water, and soon they run out of water, and they're dying of thirst. Now, they, they get out of the doldrums, and, and, and they're not sure exactly where their latitude and longitude is, and they don't know uh, how close they are to land uh, until they see some Peruvian boats. And, and when the Peruvians out on their boats see, uh, see the, 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 the Spanish sailors, and they all look sickly and, and, and like they're dying. They call out to the Spanish sailors, can we help you? And the sailors call back, we need water, give us water. And the Peruvians call back to the sailors, lower your buckets. Now any good sailor knows you don't drink seawater. Salt water will just make it worse, it can kill you. And so they call back, no, we need fresh water, fresh water, please. And the Peruvians call back, lower your buckets. Well, at this point, they think they're being mocked, and so they just, they sail on, but the Peruvians call after them, lower your buckets. Now, after a couple of days, almost a week, they make it to shore. But in that time, several of them have died of thirst. What they didn't know is that the place that they were at was where the Amazon River empties into the ocean. And it empties into the ocean uh, with such force that, uh, that for hundreds of miles in every direction is nothing but fresh water. In fact, uh, uh, that area is like 20% of the earth's runoff water. They have been sailing for weeks dying of thirst, floating on an inexhaustible supply of life-giving water. Lower 
your buckets. Jesus says, I am that inexhaustible supply of water. Anyone who drinks of the water I give them will never thirst again. It will be a spring within them welling up to eternal life. Now, when most of us think of eternal life, we think of somewhere someday, right? Maybe an oasis that we will get to once we have finally passed through this, this giant barren wasteland. But that's not the image Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us this image of eternal life as something that we can access here in the now. If only we will lower our buckets, we, we can have access to this unending supply. Yes, it goes into the future as far as we can see, but also it can be ours in the present. If you're thirsty, if your nephesh is dragged up, if your soul uh, uh, longs, for a cool, refreshing drink, lower your buckets. Cool, great. How? I've got three suggestions. Don't worry, I know some of you are like, the pastor's just getting to his three things, you know? I'll, go, I'll take through them quickly. First way to lower your bucket. Read the Gospels. Now, when your soul is hydrated um, and, and, and you're doing good, I suggest you get on some kind of Bible reading plan that will take you through the whole Bible in three or four years. And I, I believe that you, uh, you can find Jesus in any corner of the Bible if, uh, if you drill down deep enough and, and, and all that kind of thing. But when I'm dying of thirst, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? That, that's where, where Jesus is nearest to the surface. And, 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 and don't tear through it either. Um, drink deeply. Imagine yourself as that woman who has been suffering for years, reaching out for the hem of his garment. My second suggestion to lower your bucket. Pray. I read the Bible professionally, right? And so I, you know, most weeks I don't forget to read the Bible. In fact, some weeks, like this week, I get a break, right? Uh, but most weeks, I'm reading the Bible pretty heavily. When my soul is dried up, it's because I haven't been praying. It's because I've gotten too busy. It's because Advent is too important. My church needs me too much to pray. And that's when my nephesh starts shriveling up within me. That's when I get parched. Pray. Not just like when it's an emergency, when it's a life and death, uh, dear Jesus, please give me this for Christmas. Not that kind of prayer. But like every day at the feet of Jesus, pray. We pray when we come together here. We pray for each other, yes, during that time we call prayer time, but also when we sing hymns together as an act of prayer. When you listen to Caleb on the radio and you sing the song like you mean it, that's an act of prayer. When you get to the end of a hike and you look out over the town and you see all of God's creation and something within you says, thank you, that's an act of prayer. Make that more common in your life and you're going to stay hydrated. Lower your buckets. And the third thing is serve. 
it's a paradox, really. But the more you give of yourself, the more you give of yourself in love, the more of that nourishment you receive. Jesus promises us to meet us in the people that we serve. If you're not sure how, find someone on the mission team, they'll tell you how, right? But find ways to serve. So, how is it with your soul? How is it with your nephesh, your throat? Is it dry? Is it parched? Do you long for connection with God the way, uh, the way a deer longs for the streams of water? If so, I've got good news. Jesus has made himself available to us in infinite supply. You need only lower your buckets. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.